Father, we thank you that you grant to us this day the opportunity, first of all, to renew our friendship and love with one another, to recognize uh, our, our belongingness as a, a body of people who believe in you, and that's why we're here. Regardless of our different traditions and walks in life and denomination and background, we come into this place focused upon you. And we just thank you that you grant to us the riches of your grace and your mercy every day. And we just want to praise you today. We want to lift your name up. We want to recognize you as God, recognize you as king of our life. You, you own all things, and we thank you for that. And we're blessed because you govern our life, and we give you that praise. We just want to say we love you, we honor you, we worship you in spirit and in truth. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. You know, one of the things that when you think about when you and I are in need of, uh, of contentment or the absence of conflict, it's good to know that we can stand in the Savior's shadow because standing in that shadow helps to bring the peace and the calmness to the spirit that lives within us that's, that's intertwined with the spirit that gives, that's in, within us and it just seems to, to bring a contentment and a peace. The message today is the power of contentment. It's also about standing down in the face of conflict. And we'll be dealing with that in a few moments of talking about conflict. Every one of us has conflict, whether it's the small, itsy-bitsy conflicting moments that come that maybe are day-to-day or could be. Or if it's a conflict that is ongoing because of relationships or because of work environments or because of just life itself handing us lemons or tomatoes are being thrown at us or tomatoes, whichever part of the country you're from. You and I, I know, will agree that we would rather be in contentment than to live in conflict. And if we continue on in conflict, what's going to begin to happen is we're going to be conflicted in all the relationships we have in life, even our relationship to God, because we're not going to be at peace and we're not going to have the settlement and we're not going to have the serenity that we all need to function as believers. We all understand what it means to have an upheaval, like when you go to move, like Ale's done recently. You go to move, and, and it just throws in an upheaval. Well, that's, that's not what we're talking about. That's just getting through the normal, the normal things of life. We're talking about when something's coming at us, and it feels like we are the dartboard, and the darts are coming, and they're trying to hit the bullseye, and they're getting close, and we're about to explode. So what do we do? Do we fight back? Or do we stand down? Well, there is a scripture in Genesis chapter 13 in verses 1 through 18 that teaches us about standing down. And, you know, as you think about this, this message, I hopefully, for me, it helped me to see something in my own life. Uh, and we hopefully can conclude together that it's not about what we we need. I mean, it's not about what we want. It's about what we need in life. The conflict comes in when we're fighting for the wants and we're not 
standing up for the needs. This is what this scripture is about between Abram and Lot. The two together are going to teach us how to stand down. You know, Rolling Stone sang a song, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes, well, you just might find you get what you need. And this is what happened in, uh, with Abram and Lot. Biblically speaking, you can always get what you want. Now listen to me. Biblically speaking, you can always get what you want. Now what do I mean? When your heart is aligned with God's heart, when He is enough for you, you only want what He wants to give you. All right, does that make sense? As long as our hearts are aligned with God's heart and He has enough to provide for all our needs and we believe that and we receive that, then we understand that we, we will only want what He is giving us. So, of course, you and I pray, we seek, we labor, and yet for some things that will come into our life but may never make it. <laughs> but in the end, we're content with whatever God decides for our life. In other words, He is our portion. Portion, I think of food, don't you? I'm hungry, I am. I even looked into the stuff we're giving away tomorrow. <laughs> Didn't have breakfast foods in there. But think about, think about a portion of plate, a plate of food, a portion. You've got, you've got your meats, you've got your vegetables, you, you may have a little fruit, you may have a little salad, and then you've got maybe a little dessert. Okay, you've got all those little portions. And if you eat all those together, it will satisfy you. But if you take one portion off the plate, and stop right there, you may not be satisfied. Keep in mind, God has all the portion for us. We have to trust Him. Even in the midst of conflict, even in the midst of, of unrest, even in the midst of when we're seeking the contentment and we just haven't, got, just haven't found it yet. The psalmist says, Whom have I in heaven but you? Whom have I in heaven but you? It's another way of saying, all I have is you. And that's all I need for my life. That's all I really care to, to accentuate through my life is you. And in Psalm 73, verse 25, there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Have you gotten to that point? I would be the first to admit I have not. But that is a goal. There's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Abraham understood this and it enabled him to stand down in the face of conflict when he was face to face with Lot. Now let's look at that scripture in Genesis chapter 13, 1 through 18. Then Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev. He, his wife, and all he had and Lot with him. Abraham, or Abram, was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. He went by stages from the Negev to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had formerly been, to the site 
where he had built the altar. And Abraham, or Abram, excuse me, worshipped the Lord there. Now Lot, who was traveling with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land was unable to support them as long as they stayed together. Did you hear that? Here is Abram. He has a lot of riches. He has a lot of possessions. He has a lot of cattle. And yet, here was Lot, who had a lot of riches. Maybe not in silver and gold like Abram has, but he has a lot of herdsmen. He has a lot of herds. But as long as they two were together in the same field, it was not going to work. There was a conflict beginning to develop. He says, as long as they were together, you know, it could not support him. So they had so many possessions that they could not stay together. And there was quarreling between the herdsmen of Abraham's or Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At the time, the Canaanites and the Perzites were living in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, please, Let's not have this quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and my herdsmen. Since we are relatives, we belong to each other. We love each other. We're family. We're bloodline. And when it's all said and done, that's all we're going to have in life is family. So why don't we just make an agreement here? Now, I'm reading a little bit more into this. You understand that. (laughs) He says, we're relatives. Isn't the whole land before you separate from me? If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. In other words, he says, if you go to the east, I'm going to the west, or if it's north or south, if you go to the north, I'm going to the south. Whichever direction you go, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. Okay? Lot looked out, and he saw the entire Jordan Valley as far as Zar. It was well watered and everywhere like the Lord's great garden and the land of Egypt. This was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose the entire Jordan Valley for himself. And then Lot journeyed eastward, and they separated from each other. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, and Lot lived in the cities of the valley and set up his tent near Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were evil, sinning greatly against the Lord. After Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, Look From the place where you are, look north and south, east and west. For you, I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, and then your offspring could be counted. Get up, walk from one end of the land to the other that I will give you. So Abraham moved his tent, and he went to, the, to live beside the oaks of Mamre and Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. All right, so you see what happened. Lot, a little bit younger, obviously, the nephew to Abram, which will later be named Abraham in the name change to signify the covenant God made with him. And so he says to Abram and Lot, here it is. And, and Abram says, you go one direction, I'll go the other. And he even allowed Lot to choose first. And so Lot looked to the land that looked as if it was more fertile, it was more, uh, it was more provision, it was more prosperous. And so Lot said, I'll take this one. 
And Abraham took the dirt and the rocks and the sand and the hills and the hard living. And it was okay. And then God gave to Abram everything he needed. Lot went for everything he wanted. And that made the difference and would make the difference between Lot and Abram for the rest of their life. But what happened was Abraham stood down. Abraham could have said, no, young guy, young man, no. I'm, I'm the older, I'm the elder, so I'm going to take first what's mine and you're going to be left with what's left over. But he didn't. He stood down and he allowed things to play out. Abraham understood and enabled him to stand down in the face of that conflict. We learn very quickly, we don't have to get our way to solve conflict. In fact, the quicker that we're willing to stand down and refuse to win the battle, the quicker the situation can be resolved. And from this story, we learn four key elements to handling conflict. So I want to discuss with you those four things. And, and hopefully, for me, it gives encouragement of what we can do in the face of conflict. Number one, having much can cause conflicts. And or if you want to reword it another way, having too much can automatically create conflict. Sometimes too much can be enough and more than enough. This conflict between Abraham and Lot arose because of the physical blessings that they had received. They had been given a lot. They had been given abundance, an overabundance of what they needed. They, they, they had more than what most shepherds would have. They were governing numerous herds and numerous herdsmen. And you say, well, animals are not the possession of today. Well, that's true. All right, let's put it in today's terms. Basically, Abram and Lot both had very nice houses. They lived in a gated community. They had about at least four to 5,000 square feet minimum in order to live in the community. They had multiple cars to drive. And they had the bank accounts that did not even have to be uh, governed because they had no worries about what the check amount can be. They had financial advisors taking care of everything for them. They did not have to order anything because it was just done for them because of all the servants around them. So that's that's kind of the situation in, in everyday language. So they had way more than the average shepherd. They had way more than the average landholder. They had way more than what they could ever want. They had more than they needed. And what happened to Abram and Lot? It created a conflict. It created a conflict because having too much too many possessions, too many flocks, too many servants, too many herdsmen that put the strain on the land because they, if they all stayed in that one spot, then there would be no pasture to graze in and the herd will die. It would leave it barren. It caused strife between the herdsmen and as verse 6 says, their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. Well, many of us tend to think more is always better. <laughs> you know, if we just had more money, 
if we just had more time, if we just had more, more friends, if we just had more ice cream. No, I'm just kidding. Rarely is that the case. We tend to put joy on hold until we obtain more from the goal that's set before us. And we think once we reach that goal that we have achieved, we've made it. So therefore I can be happy, I can be satisfied and all things will take care of itself. But when we get there, we only find the desire for more continues. When we get to that more, we want more. When we get, you know, it's like a 12 pack of ice cream sandwiches. For me, 12 of them means I've got 12 to eat in an hour. But it's better to, you know, and when I get to the end, what do I, I want more. You know, so the desire for more is there. Men often pursue a promotion only to find themselves getting home much later at night, sleepless nights, devoting less time to the family as well as the church. Conflict can arise after having too much. So having much can cause the conflict. The application is, am I and are you pursuing something right now that may cause conflict in your family, with your friends, within your church? If you answer in the affirmative, then you need to get rid of that. Why? Because it's going to cause the conflict. If you know it's going to happen, get rid of it. We must, you know, why must... You and I have the possession or have the reward or have the praise. Sometimes we seek more praise. Sometimes we seek more acclamation. Sometimes we seek more encouragement. Sometimes we seek more. And when we get there, we just want more. So having much can cause conflict. So if we keep that at the forefront, and that's what happened to Abram and Lot. They had everything they needed. They had way too much. And all the herd could not eat and graze in the same pasture. If they did, it would be barren, and then the animals would die. So they had to separate instead of fight. This is my green patch, and that's your green patch. So they had to separate to enjoy life. Number two, value people over possessions. Value people over possessions. Without naming names, and I wouldn't do that, but I, I remember two gentlemen. They both was uncles in the family, respected as individual uncles. Here they were. The two uncles had received all of the estate of their loved one. And the two uncles being co-executor of estate, but one felt as if they, because they were older that they should be the executor. And therefore, as an executor of the state, you're entitled, according to the laws of South Carolina, you can receive 5% more in the estate. And when you're looking at over $400,000 worth of cash, multiple pieces of land, a house, tractors, farm equipment, it could easily be a million dollars. And so 5% of a million dollars can be a lot when you go to divide it in half. And it caused major conflict to the point that the two uncles were in the church serving in leadership role to where it started filtering into relationships and filtering over in the church. And so I watched it happen and I saw an Abraham and a lot in real life. The younger of the two said to his elder, 
and says to him, okay, I love you more than I love these, this money. And if it means that you are to receive everything for the sake that we can still be family, you can have it. And he gave his portion, really, which he shouldn't have, but he gave his portion. He basically gave about 10% more away to solve the conflict, to be friends and to love one another as family. And I watched this one who was my first convert in the church as a, as a pastor. The first one who ever walked down the aisle took me by the hand and said, I want to receive Jesus. The first one that I ever baptized as a pastor, this was that gentleman who just turned over a new leaf when Jesus got a hold of his heart. And he, he valued his people more than his possession. I mean, part of learning to stand down comes from recognizing the value of people. People matter. People matter more than possessions. We may get what we want at times, but in the process, we may lose the necessary individuals whom we really need more than the possessions. Abraham would rather not be with Lot than to be at odds with him. And this is an important truth because Abraham yields to Lot's choice as any part of the land that Lot desires and he stands down and he does not have to win the battle. It was okay. Separate yourself from me, he says. If you take the left, I'll go to the right. If you take the right, I'll go to the left. And Abraham appears to value Lot more than he does his land. He refuses to let his possessions to take over or to trump his love for the person who was more important in his life. Thomas Watson, founder of IBM, entered a meeting once where many of the company's problems were being discussed in a conference room setting. And on the table was a stack of papers which identified the biggest threats to the future success of IBM. And after much discussion, Mr. Watson walked over to the pile and put his hand on the pile and just brushed them off the table with the papers just going everywhere on the floor. And he said, the, there aren't categories of problems here. There's only one problem. And some of us aren't paying enough attention to the customers. If you'll start paying attention to the customers, these problems will not exist. And he walked out the room. People matter. They matter more than the possession. Value people over possession. So the, the application is this. Are you and I focusing on the possessions and on the achievements at the cost of people? Imagine how many conflicts might be solved and resolved if we focus on relating well to each other and standing down to avoid the severing of the relationship. Number three, in these four elements, we said is having much can cause conflict, value people over possessions, and number three, learn the danger of greener grass. <laughs> learn the danger 
of greener grass. The writer indicates that this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, this situation that happened. And the men of Sodom were very wicked, as verse 13 indicated of Genesis 13. And yet Abram does not seem to care which land he gets. The allure and the beauty of the land did not appeal to Abram. What appears to be better, a better situation in the end brings the greatest harm in the end. We must guard against looking toward the greener grass. Lot looked to the left and he saw the greener grass. He saw the more fertile land. He saw the more, more of an opportunity. He saw more of what could be received and the more that he could have in life. Abraham was content with whatever God gave him. And the difference happened is that the grass on the greener, the, the greener grass on the other side was the downfall of Lot. And this could be the source of pain and frustration for us all. It can cause much turmoil in relationships. So we must guard against thinking that bigger is always better. Meditate on Philippians chapter 4 in verses 11 through 13. And in Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13, says this. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I have. I know both how to have a little, and I know how to have a lot. Any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. This is Paul talking, saying, I have had the greener grass. I have stood where Lot stood, and I have had everything that I ever could imagine and more. And I have stood where Abram has stood, where I'm wondering how I'm going to till the soil. I'm wondering whether if it's really going to turn out to be any grass for my herd to grow, to, to live on. I know what it's, it is like to be in need. I know what it's like to have an abundance. But one thing I've learned, Paul says, if I trust and place everything in God's hands, whether I have a lot or whether I, not, I do not, if I learn to trust in God and I learn to, to keep my faith grounded in Him, I learn to live in relationship to God, I have learned the secret of how to discover the power of contentment. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength powerful message that Paul gives. And yet it relates to Abram and Lot. Number four, and probably the best of it all, is to rest in God's provision. God had a plan and he had a place for both Abram and Lot. The Lord would provide. Abram trusted this. We see the trust displayed when he built the altar to the Lord. 
He believed God would make good on all his promises. It relates back to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. You remember when Abram is to sacrifice his own son. God put a, a, a trust out there for Abraham to trust in God with even the life of his own son. And yet, to the point where Abram was willing to draw the sword to strike his own son, Isaac, that, he, that God stopped him. And he says to him, you have trusted well. You have placed your entire faith in what I have told you. I am God over your event. I am God over your child. I'm God over your life. And he stopped Abram. He stopped him in the moment and he says, you, for all that you, all that you are and all that you represent, I am going through you. Through your seed, I will bless the entire world. This will be the land that you will inhabit. You see that Abram understood that he didn't need to fight with Lot. He didn't need to battle with Lot. He needed to trust God and trust in God that God was going to put it all together. This contentment was in action in Abram's life. Yet the, the hustle and bustle was in action in Lot's life. And it's so interesting that the land that Lot chose is the Sodom and Gomorrah that God destroyed. The very land that Lot went to is the land that God detested. The very land that, that Lot went to is the land that caused him sinful behavior. And God got rid of it. The land that Abraham chose was the land flowing of milk and honey that would be given to him as a covenant from God. The land that Abram chose was the pathway to heaven. The land that Abraham chose was the pathway to righteousness and a right relationship to God. So when Lot thought he had to have more and he had to have the best, he was choosing the least and he was choosing the worst. When Abraham chose the least and thought that he needed more, it was God who was providing everything he needed and the best. So sometimes what we choose is not what we need and what we need is not what we want and what we want is not what we need. We trust in God, we believe in Him and He has all the factors worked out. And so we place our faith in him because we say, God is going to provide all my need according to his riches and glory and I have learned to be content because he gives me strength to accomplish all the things that I need to accomplish. That's the power of contentment even in the midst of conflict. That was the longest statement of my life. <laughs> wow. I'm kind of dizzy because I didn't get any breath. <laughs> So are you and I able to trust God's provision? Do we really believe that God has a plan for us? Do we really believe that he's worked out that plan? That's two different things. Believing there's a plan and believing that he's worked, worked it out. Will you rest in content with him? Will you rest in that contentment in him? You don't have to get your way to solve the conflict. I guess is the moral of the story today based on Genesis 13. God has a better way. We stand down. We trust Him. We look to Christ as our joy and find contentment in Him. 
my brother and I, we, we grew up together. And we were best friends. We shared a bedroom together with twin beds, you know, that sort of thing. And, and we just did life on life together. You know, we were best of buddies. He was a couple of years older than I. And one time we got into an argument, and I was my first, what I called my mountain shoes. In other words, they had these grips on the bottom that, that could, if you were mountain climbing, it, it would give you a grip to climb up the hill. If it was in mud, it would give you some grip. And so my brother and I was in an argument, and I wanted to win. You know, he, was, he always would beat me up if we got into a fight because he was stronger than I, so I'd learned not to fight him. But on that particular day, I took off one of my mountain shoes, and I said, I'm going to get the best of him. And I whirled that thing at him, and I threw it at him and hit him on his arm. And for a few weeks, he had the mountain cleats in his arm. Well, I took off running because I knew that if he caught me, I was not getting the mountain shoe back. And I ran and I ran and I ran. We were living at Ocean Lakes Campground at the time. And I ran down the beach and I hauled And here he was chasing me. The great thing about it, I was smaller so I could run faster than my brother because he was larger and he was a little bit heavier. And so I could outrun him and I knew that. But he caught me. He caught me because I got tired. And I went into the little, little arcade at Ocean Lakes, where they've got that uh, pavilion built that you go up right beside the three crosses. It was an arcade there. And I hid inside the bathroom of the arcade. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure out where I was when he couldn't find me in the open room, and he found me, knowing that he was going to crush my face. You know what he did? He handed me back my shoe. He handed me back my shoe. said, I thought you might need this. And he turned around and walked away. And I remember that because I, I, he was content. He, maybe, maybe I was right and he was wrong. Maybe he was right and I was That was not the point of the story. The point was he didn't fight back. He let it go. He saw something in me and he let it go. So are you resting in God's provision? Are you ready to just be content? Do like Abram and Lot. Well, do like Abram, not Lot. <laughs> and, and be the man that God and woman that God's called you to be. Trusting in his provision and trusting in his care. So are you trusting in God's provision and are you resting in God every day? What a better way to conclude the evening today when our day comes to a close is to lay a head down at night, and to, to rest in God. I called a, a, a lady one time, and it was getting close to about 8.30 at night. She, she was in the habit of, of going to bed early because she was an early riser, 5 a.m. every morning. So her bedtime was around 8.30, never hardly past 9. In fact, she's moving right now to North Carolina with her family as I speak. And I give her a shout out and we'll miss her. But I called her one evening and she, she answered and I said, well, how are you doing? And she said, well, I'm just preparing my heart as I go to bed. And I said, oh, what are you doing? I'm just having my prayer time with God and I'm preparing my heart to go to sleep. Isn't that powerful? So maybe tonight... We all together 
agree that we're going to prepare our heart with God as we go to sleep and wake up the next morning with better thoughts, better ideas, and a stronger level of trust in the contentment that God has placed before us. Not choosing what looks best, but choosing what God has directed us to what's best. That could be the difference between a Sodom and Gomorrah or a land flowing of milk and honey. Thanks be unto God for allowing us to trust Him, allowing us first to learn lessons, but allowing us to trust Him and to rest in Him every day. Father, we thank You for this beautiful moment we have together. The moments that we share together, we relish in together. Realizing that the thoughts that we have are not by accident today. There are thoughts that you give us together, thoughts that help us to bring back in focus what's really necessary in order for us to enjoy relationship, our fellowship with you every day, to enjoy relationship with others, to enjoy our, our life, because we know that you are the guardian over everything before us. If we believe in you and trust in you, you have a better plan. We live in that plan. Help us to have the courage to agree, as Paul said, that I've learned to be content with little or much and to believe that your strength is that which will provide for every part of my need and our needs of our life. Because your riches of glory are greater than the earthly riches we can obtain. Thank you for the precious gifts that are unseen, that are invisible, that are pacted within us and laid upon our account and is beyond any measurable physical possessions. We thank you, God, that you allow us to let go and trust in you, to rest and to let go of that which contains us and holds us back, that gives us the courage to be able to stand down in the face of conflict. Thank you, God, for your peace. Thank you for your joy. And thank you for your provision. In your name that we pray, amen. My friend, we want to stand and sing a, a song of commitment. I believe it's a song that, that's, that's entitled, He Touched Me. I think the words are there on the screen. And we're going to, we could sing this together. And it'll be a song of affirmation for some. You, you, you know he's touched you. But it also could be a song of invitation, inviting us to come. And maybe it's just coming to the altar and saying to God, God, I, I, I want to choose what's best for my life. And I want to trust you today. I want to let go of what I've been holding on to and trust in you today. Maybe it's trusting Christ the Savior of your life. There's no greater time than right now. Whatever the need is, will you give it to God? Let's stand and sing that song, He Touched Me. I think we all know that together.
Touch me and me. 